You're listening to the Irish Times. We got a letter. Well, we didn't really get a letter. The Irish Times got a letter. Well, okay, we being the added time podcast with me, Maliki Clerkin, and you, Pat Nugent, did not get a letter. But the Irish Times got a letter. Fair enough. Be that pedantic about it. This letter was from Jack Gallagher, my hero, the hero of the week, Jack Gallagher, 83-year-old marathon runner from Florida, who ran in the Dublin Marathon uh, last October and won his category, the 80 to 85 category. And Jack wrote us a letter about, well, you can tell us what it's about. Um well, what Jack's issue was, um, was that he hasn't received his prize. As he points out, he says, uh, it's now 103 days later and I've yet to receive my €125 euro award despite numerous email exchanges in the ensuing months. This is astounding and raises all sorts of questions about what is going on. Yes, it does. Good man, Jack. So, uh, he wrote this letter to the Irish Times during the week and uh, we sent, set our crack reporter, Connor Pope, uh, into finding out what happened and his piece appeared in today's paper. It did. Um, Connor uh, contacted the organisers of the Dublin City Marathon, in particular Eugene Coppinger, the deputy director, uh, who came out with one part that I love um, in all this where Eugene explained how there had to be a slight delay in sending out uh, any of the prizes for it because we have to clear uh, doping controls. Of course. Mm. Now, to be fair to Eugene, uh, he's not saying that he's not casting any aspersions on Jack or the methods that Jack has uh, used to uh, win his category. He is saying that all anti-doping uh, has to be passed before the marathon pays any money to anybody. I think the first person you test is the 83-year-old who can run a marathon. <laughs> or who wants to run a marathon Indeed, yeah. at 83 years old. <laughs> I'm not sure performance enhancing is quite uh, the drugs you need to test them for. Just whatever mind-altering uh, notion uh, that is coursing through him to make him want to be running a marathon at that age. And um, one of the things that Jack pointed out was uh, that he thoroughly enjoyed the race in October and that this has been a bitter pill to swallow to be denied my rightful award. Bitter pill is just a, a turn of phrase there, <laughs> I should point out. He says, I hope someone somehow can show me the money I earned while I am still on this side of the dirt. What a hero. Mm. That is my line of the week. I, I think I might change my uh, Twitter bio to just this side of the dirt. Uh, Jack uh, go, goes on to point out that the uh, organisers are doing the Dublin City Marathon a complete disservice because um, in Florida, we have a vibrant running community with people who love to compete in well-run races. And at the moment, Dublin is not measuring up to the standard. <laughs> in defense of the organisers of the marathon, uh, Mr. Coppinger uh, told Connor that they have they have sent the money. The, it, it works out at $160, which is, you know, that's, that's plenty of money in, uh, in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, as I understand it, Unpost is dealing with the U.S. postal authorities. So essentially the explanation here is that it's got lost in the post. Now, the interesting side of this, of course, is that uh, Jack won the 80 to 83 uh, category. Um, 80 to 85. Sorry, 80 to 85. Um, but that isn't the oldest category in the race, sure is not. There is an 85 to 90 category. Um, we think, as far as we could ascertain this year, there wasn't a runner in it, but there has been an 87-year-old who has run the race in recent years. And as, thus far, they haven't yet had to um, start a 90 to 95 category. <laughs> well, I think uh, the moral of the story here should be that we, we need to keep 
these people interested. We we can't afford to lose the 83, 84 and 85 year olds and certainly not if, if there's a potential of Jack hanging around and coming back here to compete in the 85 to 90 year old category in a couple of years then we need to get this man his money. Yes. He's the only one who hasn't gotten his prize thus far. It's, um, it's a disgrace. While disgrace might be overstating it. Right. Enough of that. Um, let's do some GA. Sean Moran uh, our GA correspondent and Ian O'Reardon from our GA staff have come in to talk about the weekend's hurling. Sean, we're at an interesting point in the league. Everybody has two games played and it's a kind of a headlong dash to the end of it now. Yeah, from now on, um, we're going to go right through the regulation matches, through the knockouts and out the other end. So it's uh, it, it's all, uh, I was going to say it's all downhill from, from, <laughs> from here, but it'll be all fairly uh, but it is interesting, energetic like, from Yeah, here. like you've got to play, if you, to win the league or even to get beaten in the league finally, you've got to play the next six weeks in a row. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it, it's a very packed schedule, all right. And uh, I mean, it is intended to be in the in, in the hurling with the quarterfinals mm. there, which were peculiarly retained on the calendar for this year. But uh, they're there and obviously relegation playoffs, so it'll be very busy. Uh, Ian, uh, you'd be down at uh, Wexford Tip on Saturday night. Uh, both teams have made reasonable starts. I suppose Wexford made the, made the best of it, but yeah. it's um, interesting matchup. Yeah, no, I think for me anyway, Wexford have been the team of the year so far uh, for a couple of reasons. They're unbeaten. Obviously, they won the Walsh Cup on freeze penalties, whatever the term is, against Kilkenny. That was, I think, that was a, a kind of defining moment for them as well because they kind of got the emotional better off Kilkenny that day. Then they've kicked on from there, and then last Sunday week they beat Cork, and it was it was it was a very intense game. And even even John Myler, the new Cork manager, I think he was I think he was quite quite taken aback at just how how physical, how intense Wexford were. Um, I mean, the Davy Fitz thing as well. It's strange because I don't know if you could kind of. Talk about the kind of the second album syndrome, but for mm. a manager coming into second year, you always wonder will he have that same sort of impact on the players? Will that same will that same energy and excitement be there? And, and I think it definitely is. Um, definitely early days, um, but Tip will be a big challenge for them, obviously down down the Semple Stadium. And uh, you know, Tip Tip are an interesting, uh, um, I suppose, league for them because they were they were kind of going very well last year, and then it was kind of against Wexford or sorry after the Wexford game where the, where the wheels came off a bit. So I think it's it'll it'll be, it'll be certainly be a, ter- um, a key game for both both teams. Although I do fancy that Tip probably have a little bit more to, to play for on Saturday night. Yeah, the Wexford thing the Wexford thing is interesting. I, I've actually actually interviewed Don Myler for tomorrow's paper, and he was saying exactly that that you know this this idea that. Um, at certain points in this league, because of what's coming up in the summer, teams might be able to take a game handy or, you know, you might be able to ease off at the end of a game or something like that. He says we were playing, we found ourselves playing a championship game in the first week of February down in Wexford Park. Yeah. And, you know, they were just at a pitch and it, it the game took on a life of its own and they outplayed us in the end. Yeah, I just wanted a quick point on that. I mean, I know this idea, like, you know, are they peaking too soon or will they be able to sustain this through the league and then God knows the summer. But I think if you look at, if you trace the trail back the last few years, I mean, Kilkenny always did this. Mm. Dublin are doing it essentially. I mean, the teams who, the teams who build that reputation for being hard to beat, you know, have that consistency. And they say winning is a habit, but I mean, losing is a habit as well, don't forget. So I think, I think Wexford will want, will want to keep that winning habit. And uh, yeah, certainly, certainly looking forward to, to Saturday night, definitely. How are they playing? Is they still Sean Murphy as the yeah, sweeper? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Liam Ryan 
mind has settled in very well at fullback. I think he's a really good fullback. They've got a great midfield pairing. Kevin Foley's there with Dermot O'Keefe a lot. I mean, we all know Lee Chin is on top of his game. Um, David Dunn didn't start the last day. He scored 2 2 the first day. Um, they've got a really good bench. Harry Kyo, Jack Guiney, a few players to come back. Liam o- Lee McGovern, Shane, Shane Tompkins. So they do have a strong panel. I mean, in terms of last year, they're pretty much similar, I suppose, to last year. Mm. Um, but I, I, I certainly think they're, they're as I say, they, they're, they're the informed team at the moment. Yeah, we go back to this time last year, Sean. I don't know whether it was this weekend or, or next weekend last year. Uh, we were all kind of talking about how well Tip were managing being All Ireland mm. champions. You know, they were this they they had taken their template from from Cody's years of managing mm. success and going through a league very well. And then I think I think it was. More or less this time last year, they ran into Kilkenny in a Saturday night game, a magic uh, game yeah. that they that uh, ended in a draw, I think. Yeah, um, I, I think the big thing for Tip last year was, and I think the big uh, box that they wanted to tick was to retain the All Ireland, which mm. hadn't been done in you know since the sixties. Um, to that end, they seemed to be kind of bossing it in the league, and they looked, you know, like best team in the usual yes. you know plod that's begun to roll in that you know, tip have it cracked and uh, they, they, they went through their first uh, three matches winning um, as you say uh, speed bumped a bit in Thurles that night Gr- great match and also kind of a testament to how Kilkenny kind of won't let go yeah. um, a match that Tip looked to have, have won but ended, ended in a draw then they lost kind of tamely to Cork in the last match which didn't really matter for, 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 for league purposes but wasn't great for that for that narrative, yeah. But, uh, and, um, so yeah, the, the match against Wexford. It'll be interesting from the Wexford point of view because um, uh, David Gerald afterwards was saying, you know, how much they'd learned from the late goals they'd conceded against uh, Tip that day in the league uh, semi-final. The league semi-final, semi-final yeah. yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where what the the relativities mm. are now. I mean, I I get a sense that you know from from ruling the world, Michael Ryan's kind of gone back to the tool shed and he's kind of you know. Looking at, we tip along here, yeah, well, yeah. And, and also look at new players and, mm. and 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 try and you know re- rebuild the, the the challenge a bit for, for for this year. So it's going to be interesting for them as well. I think the thing for Wexford is that um, uh, David Sterling's very, I think, strategic in in the way he approaches seasons. And you know, last year he'd really done everything that could have been asked of him. Probably by this time last year, because he he really you know. Secured promotion. They were the yeah, first promoted two, after first, a first week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I think for 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 Wexford to uh, retain their place in the top division would be a, that's that's a serious uh, target for them. Uh, Matt and see how it goes uh, after that. I think they'll be they'll, they'll be dri- very driven for for this match in in Thurles because you know every team that's kind of on a rise, they love playing. Tipperary, like Tipperary, even this goes back to you know Lockdown's Clare mm-hmm. team in, in the mid nineties playing Tip in, in the league. They're never just league matches, yeah. uh, and particularly in Thurles, yeah. these are sort of trophy fixtures for for, for teams on the on the up. So uh, it'll be an interesting test, and I, just I'm, I'm not sure that both teams want the same thing out of it. Uh, you know, I think I think Michael Ryan, he's it during the week. You know, he's looking at players, he's he's kind of bringing back some players who are 
recovering from, from injury, looking at newcomers mm. and that. Whereas I think, you know, Wexford have, have momentum at the moment. I think you're right, Sean, as well, about Davy Fitz, just to jump in there. I mean, mm. in terms of what he wants out of the season, he was probably the calmest man in, in on the sideline last Sunday week against Cork. There was none of the Davy Fitz antics at all. I think that was a very deliberate uh, uh, stage act on his behalf to say, look, I'm not, this is still early days. I'm not going to be shouting and roaring at the referee. Whereas there was a lot more going on probably on, on the Cork sideline. So it was, I just kind of thought that was an interesting observation. As you say, Sean, it's almost like he's strategically planning when to unleash the real Davy factor as well. Well, Jason Ford is playing here on uh, Saturday night for Tipperary, so he is obviously saving himself for for the rematch from. Uh, Let's hope so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the the Tipperary team is interesting, as you say, Sean. You know, um, Bubbles and Shamie Callan both out mm. injured, so it it brings in you know yeah. opportunities for others, and even even mention of Jason Ford. Like Jason Ford is a guy. It's four years since he made his debut mm. for Tipperary, you know, in the, in the championship. You know, he's turning, I think, turns 25 this year. Um, you know, if it's going to happen for him, it's, you know, there's a fair argument to say it's kind of got to start happening. Yeah, uh, it's a, it, interesting. I've been very uh, prominent underage mm-hmm. uh, player. Um, his, uh, he, he played... Uh, he played centre back in in, in UL. Uh, um, Brian Lone was certainly of the view that that might be his best position, but mm. I mean that's obviously not going to. Do be you the say case. that about Noel McGrath? I remember as well that eventually he he'd, he'd yes. go back to centre back, but it, it was maybe a different game in those days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe it's different for where, what positions you idealise. Yeah, the, on yeah, the field yeah. Where you think people sh- should go, but yeah, I think that the the absence uh, certainly of, of Seamus Callan and his is useful for, for Tipperary. I think it's useful for Callan as well, who's been full tilt, you know, mm. for a number of, mm. of years, you know, hitting hurler of the year standards year after year. Mm. Um, and the, the only thing is that he tends to take a long runway when he's coming back. Um, you, you've seen some fairly rusty performances from him in the in, in the league. Yeah. And with the, the kind of the, the, the boom, boom fixture list in, in championships, it's going to be, trickier to play yourself back in, mm. in in those circumstances but it's also good for, for Tip to have to road test other people and yeah especially for it and, and, and like you know the, he's he's taken the freeze for them he is clearly a, a, a seriously seriously good player seriously accurate player and I guess in that Tip forward line there's a lot of times when you know the scoring there's plenty of people with their hands up to take the scoring burden you know and so you know, it's it's not necessarily damning of him that he hasn't, you know, forced his way in or for, made himself undroppable by by this stage in his career. But you know, Callan isn't going to be there forever. They they do need this. this Tipperary's way of winning matches is just scoring, 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 scoring. You know, they don't Wexford go a different way about it. They can't. They, they temporarily need these forwards. They need people that are just going to keep the keep the board ticking. Yeah, I think it just begs a question briefly. Like, what what exactly went wrong last year for Tipperary? Like, you know, did that scoring dry up or was it something else? Because I think if you if you go back to certainly the league final, I think they were they were possibly out muscled a little bit by Galway. Mm-hmm. So um, the scoring thing, sure, but may, maybe Michael Ryan is, is actually looking for something else as well. Um, I think it's in. I think if you look back at their summer last year, they they just hit the championship 
undercooked. Yeah. They, the, you know, the team that, that lost the, Under in the first... Under or overcooked, yeah, it depends. Well, put it this way, anyway. the team that lost the, the first round of the Munster Championship was a totally different animal to the one that lost the All-Ireland Semi-Final yes, by yes, a point. Yeah. If the team that played the All-Ireland Semi-Final sure. had played in the first yeah. round of the Munster Championship, you wouldn't have heard of all these young Cork mm. lads. Mm. <laughs> their, their summer would have been over very, very quickly, you know? Yes, yeah, in other words, you know, it goes back to the point about trying to, you know, just trying to maintain a level of consistency of performances, which, which Tip didn't have last year but uh, go back. yeah great game on Saturday looking forward to it and for what it's worth I actually think Tip might Tip might sneak it Other games this weekend Sean um, Clare and Cork are playing in Ennis and Waterford Kilkenny Waterford Kilkenny is a sort of in another context could be a, a relegation six pointer except for the fact that um, the bottom two teams will meet at the end mm. of the league anyway so I actually that's the the imagery I utilised in my preview was the relegation <laughs> six pointer but of course I did say it is undermined by the fact that they have to play again this yeah. is a, a prime example of the you know various speeds yes. settings for the league uh, you know Waterford it's pretty clear Derek McGrath is is taking a, a punt on mobilising things later in the in the year than he might have done before. Um, the great uh, opportunity to do that is the relegation playoff because uh, nothing happens until March. And as we, we found out there a couple of years ago when uh, Cork were sitting on null point mm. at the end of the regulation season and Galway were four points ahead of them, and go and then go and lost to to Cork in the relegation playoff to so an they, absolutely poxy last minute goal uh, for for Seamus Harnady and they yeah and they go down to to, to Division One B now mm-hmm. they found themselves at home there yes and, indeed uh, uh, you know creates a whole well, existential yeah. question mark over where you should be in the league yeah. but it shows you that in in the, the the top division you know you can you can do what you want really until until the end and we saw this Kilkenny uh, three years ago when Ballyhale were winning the All-Ireland Club uh, and Kilkenny were under strength. They were kind of pottering through the regulation season and then they played Clare at the end mm. and did enough to, to see off Clare. So, and it's a great old mood changer, you know, in, oh, a, tri- yeah. in a trice, whatever yeah. has gone before yeah. in the spring, well, lads, we had a big win on the day when it really mattered. Yeah. We're heading into championship now. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that is the that is the context for, for, for Welsh Park on, on Sunday. You know that both teams uh, haven't gathered a point yet, but you'd imagine Kilkenny have been a bit more unlucky not to do so yeah. uh, in their in their matches to date, whereas Waterford are, are clearly kind of building it as they go along so uh, you know it'll, it'll be it'll it'll be interesting but it's it's not significant if you like the Cork Clare game you saw Cork a couple of weeks ago yeah. what do you make of it yeah them? I think they're going they're going fine John Myler's in there I think he's doing, I think he's I think he's, he's more or less trying to pick them up pick up with the left off last year um, I mean the ball is again they're missing a few players too um, I will actually you know Patrick Horgan was just back for that game they've got a, I mean I think within within 20 minutes all six of their of their of their forwards had scored and a midfield as well so they've got a they've got a very good uh, very good attack um, probably just again probably just a little bit behind maybe some of the other teams um at this stage, you know, probably you know, Myler finding his feet, but yeah, they're they'll they'll certainly put it up to Claire. Mm. Claire, as I was, I was talking to him during the week, they had seventeen players playing Fitzgibbon. Yeah, well, here we this this is this is the other dilemma that that, that and they three this week. and three lads away with Canturk, yeah, like yeah. the the Canturk lads won the All Ireland Intermediate, yeah. and three of them were including Anthony Nash, like yeah, and so, Orkan so, McLaughlin. So so like he had twenty guys, you know, playing. 
for for other teams while he's getting through the first two league games. Now I know everybody has a version of that, but twenty out of a squad yeah, is, is a yeah. lot. No, I'd say look, I'd say I'd say Mahler's happy enough. Um, I mean Corker, Corker definitely on the, the you know their their gradient going up. They're 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 definitely on the way going the right direction. Um, Clare have a great, great record at home, um, unbeaten as well. So yeah, I mean there's, there's three three top class games over, over the weekends. Um, it's a hard one to call again. Clare have been Clare have been kind of. You saw them at the last day against um, was it against Kilkenny when barely Kilkenny, hung yeah. on. So I think it's it's they'll probably want to be a bit more consistent there. But uh, yeah, they were just, weird. They like they were eleven points up in the first half, and you know, game should have been done and dusted. And I think almost against nearly anybody else, it probably would have been. Um, Kilkenny just kind of dug in and chipped back and chipped back and chipped back. But uh, yeah, Clare are very good. They they're they're very good. You you still worry at sometimes that they're a wee bit one dimensional up front. Like everyone kind of goes through John Conlon or or Shane O'Donnell, and if neither of them are able to get in into possession, you wonder where it's coming from. Like I sometimes I, I you know I think I think everybody kind of loves Podge Collins. Yes, but sometimes you look at him and you kind of wonder where is the role for him. In, in this game you know where is it in kind of sniping around midfield picking up breaks and farming ball or is it like he didn't take a shot the last day or he didn't no sorry he took two and put, put them both wide but they were both kind of snapshots where he was just able to kind of briefly insert himself into a, into the game and then go on so you wonder what it, what what's what's he there for what's what what they can do with him um, Conor McGrath wasn't playing the last day. He obviously brings a, a different dimension to them. But they were they were very good, like, and they're they're two from two. Their finishing has to improve. Yeah. I mean, what is it? The, some unbelievable number of wide in the second half. A- 18, was 18. It? Yeah. 18. And goal chances of yeah. begging and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, they could have had Kilkenny. Well, and that, well that was their thing. They were. Sh- the reason they had. I think it was 18 wides overall and 12 in the second half. Um, and they. Yeah. Uh, and it was all from. Pot shots, like yeah. they were shooting from midfield. Everything was a shot from from midfield, and like Shane O'Donnell ended up just coming out to midfield, trying to get his hand on some ball because they were just being airmailed. The the inside line were just being totally airmailed, and it was defenders. Like it was, you know, um, the David Fitzgerald coming forward, bang, yeah. banging a shot from from the sort of left side of midfield and it tailing wide, and there was so many of those, and so that has to, you know. Those either have to go over, or it can't be their first instinct. That's their problem. Like it, if it's their first instinct at all times, then the other side knows what you're going to do. So they, they they definitely need to iron that out. By the way, Malik, you mentioned the Fitzgibbon Cup there. I'm going back to Sean's original point about fixtures. I think this will be the first year the Fitzgibbon Cup has gone up against the round of hurting league fixtures. Certainly recently, because it was always given a given a free a weekend, weekend on, its on its own. So next weekend you'll have Fitzgibbon semi-finals, finals going up against a, a round of. Like it's a Fitzgibbon finals next next weekend. Next weekend, yeah, yes, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So yeah. the first time it'll be you know going up against a round of, of yeah. a hurting league matches. Which mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not quite sure what the thinking behind that is. But, but it, the, yeah, the calendar. Has, has gone haywire for the for the colleges the, the, this year. I mean, on Saturday you've you've Finn, uh playing All Ireland semi final and NUI Galway in, in a Sigerson final, yeah. and uh, you've you've two you've two Carrafin players actually one on, on on either side one uh, Liam Silks at UCD uh, who just can't play. But I think we saw this flagged last year when when basically UCD's Fitzgibbon. Uh, campaign was uh, scuppered by uh, the Kula match being moved That's forward, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, as a, as a result, I think it's becoming clear that fixture makers aren't 
that bothered about the third level uh, mm. competitions. They're certainly not prioritising them. Something's going to have to be done because, I mean, the, the strain on players is ridiculous. Well, as ever, Sean, and you've been doing this a lot longer than the rest of us, as ever in the GAA, there's always a, a year that becomes a tipping point and some, uh, a something has to be done year. Uh, so this, yeah, you, may, this may be it. You tend to get through a few of those though, before <laughs> anything actually happens. Uh, and I think the whole thing about the, the, you know, to an extent, things have been addressed with the, the thinning out because we, we just have under 21 football going at the, this stage that's as well. Right, and that's, that's, that's been, been mm. shifted. But they do need to do something about the, the, the colleges, you know, the, 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 that multi-eligibility where your fellas playing three matches in a week. Um, it's it's not a, sustainable. It's such a lottery as well. I mean, you have such a, You mentioned UCD, and, and it's it's totally worked out for Conor Callahan this year. He gets to play his his Sigerson Cup finals, but yeah, it's, it's pure lottery. And I mean, I mean, and the only way of the only way of uh, of eliminating that is shifting the Sigersons completely. Excellent. Listen, lads, thanks very much for coming in, Sean Moore and Anya Norad, and we'll talk to you as we go on. Cheers. In the Irish Times weekend, in the new look ticket, three-time Oscar nominee Saoirse Ronan chats about fame, Hollywood pressures, and female empowerment. Gabriel Byrne discusses how his own experiences of sex abuse gave him a unique insight into today's scandals. And in Home and Design, Fanula Fallon lists her top 10 tips for sowing the seeds of summer. The Irish Times Weekend, your weekends in good hands. So it's at this time every week, Pat, that we go and ask, what are we watching uh, this weekend, apart from what we're talking about? But it turns out that there's actually very little good sport to watch this weekend. Uh, So little that we're not even going to recommend watching sport in this particular instance. Oh my God, how will the podcast stand? Well, uh, it'll stand because uh, Kobe Bryant, the LA Lakers legend, um, is nominated for Best Animated Short in the Oscars, which are on next month. I would give it to Meryl Streep myself. She, well, <laughs> I assume she's nominated. <laughs> um, but uh, this kind of intrigued me, so I had a look back and initially it turns out that... Um, the animated short is based on a poem that Kobe Bryant wrote for the Players' Tribune on his retirement from the game. And um, <laughs> the poem is um, it's called Dear Basketball, and it's essentially a love letter from Kobe to basketball, but also kind of a love letter to Kobe from himself. I would expect nothing less from Kobe. Yeah. And uh, so I put on my kind of um, my uh, English degree hat and uh, went and read it. And needless to say, the poem is written in uh, free verse, which is basically... So it's not a poem. It's not a poem. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's doesn't, it doesn't rhyme, it's irregular line lengths, all this. It's yeah. just words. Yeah. It's Kobe talking off the top of his head <laughs> and going, yeah, let's call it a poem. And uh, it's rubbish. It's, um, it's, <laughs> it's just absolutely awful. And I refuse to believe, you know, poetry is meant to be based on long, dark tea times of the soul and all that. And I don't think Kobe Bryant has ever had a, a day where he's doubted his own magnificence. <laughs> and he even actually signs off the poem. This really annoyed me. It's signed it off. The last line is, uh, love you always, Kobe. And um, what's uh, annoying to me about that is, I don't think that in general poets do that because they realise, you know, my name isn't as important as the words that I'm writing here. <laughs> uh, there was, you never read a poem that ended, you know, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. Peace out, T.S. Eliot. No, you didn't know she was, or it, it, it wasn't quite uh, the style of T.S. Eliot. And th- it did make me wonder then, so how have we gotten to the point where this is up for an Oscar? And it turns out how it's up for an Oscar is because if you're Kobe Bryant, you have the money and the connections to go and hire a guy called Glenn Keane, who is a legendary Disney animator who worked on Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. He actually drew Ariel initially. He designed the main character of The Little Mermaid. And uh, this guy, like, could 
animate an episode of the shipping forecast and make it something beautiful. And then he went and hired John Williams, the legendary composer who wrote music for Star Wars and Indiana Jones and E.T. to um, to do the music. So this is all very, it's a very straightforward way to get yourself an Oscar nomination. <laughs> it's really. very straightforward. It's exactly it's the, the shortest point between two lines. And he got himself to narrate it, to narrate his own poem over this. Actually, Declan has a clip of it. We here, can hear yeah. some of it. You gave a six-year-old boy his lake a dream. And I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. It's good to know that, you know, it's good that we set the context beforehand and said that he is actually talking to basketball there and not to a person. Because it would be pretty creepy if that's the way he was talking to a person. It's true. Um, it's uh, it's completely nauseating. It's just like an animated shrine to himself. And uh, it, when it's beautifully animated, I should say, it's, uh, it's done in kind of like a pencil style and it occasionally flashes into colour, but the colours that it always flashes into are purple and gold, the LA Lakers colours. And that's just good animating, Pat. That is just good branding from uh, Kobe Bryant. Because <laughs> I actually watched it yesterday. What it is atrocious. <laughs> it really, I mean, the animation is, is obviously fantastic and the music is obviously soaring. But how in the name of God this can can rise to any prominence that other, other than, you know, an ad campaign is beyond me. How <laughs> More to the point, I, I, I like a bet, Pat the odd time, especially around the Oscars. So I had a look to see where where this was in the category of five uh, nominations for Best Animated Short. It is the unbackable favourite for the Oscar. It's four, four to 11. I, I couldn't believe it when you told me that. So I actually <laughs> went and watched what the second favourite was out of curiosity. And the second favourite is a Pixar short that uh, has story, wit, imagination, and basically in seven minutes sort of manages to examine the human condition. It's <laughs> it's superb. It's called Lou. I heartily recommend watching it after you watch and avail- this. And available at around 10 to 3. So, you know, get, get your yeah, money on. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but clearly what this is based on has to be the fact that Kobe Bryant is an L.A. legend and uh, that basically he has the Hollywood community behind him because otherwise it wouldn't... If anybody who played, say, for a Boston team had come up with this, it, we can be pretty certain that it wouldn't be getting anywhere near the Oscars. We'll, we'll tweet out this link, by the way, because you can watch it and, or you know, hate watch it if you want. It's available on Vimeo and we'll tweet out the link after the show so people can check it out. Splendid. Well, uh, from the ridiculous to the sublime, uh, the Artricity League. Now, there's a link that you don't often hear from Kobe Bryant to the Artricity League, but the Artricity League is starting back tonight. Uh, to preview the season and to talk about where we are with everything with the Artricity League. Um, we've got Emmett Malone, our soccer correspondent in, and Rory Croak from our online staff. Thanks for coming in, lads. Emmett, the, the league always seems to start, or certainly did many for many years, with some sort of, we seem to talk about some sort of existential crisis that's going on around the place. <laughs> there seems to be, see, am I just imagining it or is there less of that this year? Eh, it's just bubbling below the surface. I'm sure. Yeah, no, we, we, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, it'll be there. You know, if, if, it's, if it's not there, if it's not readily apparent, there'll be, a, there'll be an Athlone Town in a, in a, in a few weeks' time, time, and, uh, 
and it'll it'll burst out into the into the open. Um, no, uh, look, I'm like a lot of sport um, and like football generally internationally. Uh, the fortunes of the league are are not entirely you know unconnected to the the the, the, the wider economy mm. and the and mm. society and and things are going moderately well in the country at the moment again and um, and the fortunes of the league are rising with that. Uh, it went through a massive crisis when the economy collapsed uh, because so many people connected with the economy and connected with all the things that you know were seemed right about the economy and then yes. suddenly turned out to be so so wrong uh, we're, we're pumping money into football clubs mm. and uh, and they stopped uh, that was the, the first thing that went or seemed the posh seemed car to be, and the big yeah, house was, they seemed the, uh, to be pumping money was the subvention of the local football club's wage bill so yeah. um uh, so there was a massive crisis. Uh, wages plummeted. Players lost their jobs uh, or found themselves working for a fifth of what they'd been working for the, the previous season, and it was a, a very hard time for the clubs. Um, there was a massive readjustment, and, and those clubs that were caught out by longer contracts for players and stuff that were were very badly caught out. So, you know, it, there's been a lot of steadying to be done on the ship, but uh, but I think we see the the, the kind of uh, benefits of that now. Yeah, because the more more I've sort of read about it this week and and listen to people talk about it, the more there seems to be a kind of a softly softly approach, definitely around contracts, definitely around you know um, not 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 overdoing, not overstretching ourselves again throughout the league, you know. And there's talk, you know, there's even. <clears throat> I saw them during the week that there's three, sure. three fifty, three clubs now uh, have are full time, fifty two week full time uh, yeah, contracts. Yeah. Uh, well, look, you know, you can define the, the various components of full time. Mm. There's eight eight clubs in the league. I've heard this described as full time now. A version of, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fifty two week contract is one part of it. The kind of players not working for anybody else is part of it. And and there's a lot of grey areas around there because mm. you do have clubs that don't describe themselves as full time and yet demand so much of the players that essentially they can't do a whole lot else. Um, so you know, look, it's it, it is edging back there, and there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot here to get right, uh, and what is being attempted, I think, at the moment, you could describe as, in many ways, the most ambitious transformation of of, of clubs uh, in this country ever, really, uh, because of the addition of these major underage structures. Um, so we have uh, three underage leagues at the moment. We'll have a fourth next year. Um, clubs are becoming very different entities. Um, they're 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 becoming responsible for producing the players. You know, some in partnership with the old schoolboy clubs some of them are you know essentially taking that territory over um you know uh, from 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 schoolboy clubs who are a little you know reluctant to see these changes go through but have had very little choice in it and that changes the nature of the clubs uh, very fundamentally um they're not simply kind of nicking somebody else's players and and uh, and and running with them for a little while and seeing them move on to other league of ireland clubs they have uh, a fundamental kind of um, task of, of of producing these players and it has become Come, although we haven't seen the benefits of it yet and we haven't seen whether it's going to succeed or not, but it is becoming an absolutely essential, or the plan is that it will become an absolutely essential part of their uh, of their financial model. Um, and and I, that, that will influence the first team and it will influence the culture of the clubs and um, and will hopefully, you know, enable them or encourage them to connect with, you know, local communities in a way that astonishingly, 
they failed to do mm. in many cases beforehand. I mean, I was at a pre- I was at a press conference in in Bohemians uh, about I don't know about five years ago, and um and and the press conference was essentially to say that they were going to now start connecting with their local community, yeah. you know. And and you've gone and and I think I asked like, what about the last hundred years, you know? And and they kind of shrugged their shoulders and went, yeah, like yeah, the hot, last, last century or so was a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, so look, we are and they've done incredible work since, you know. Um, uh, and 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 last year their home form was really. And you know, but their attendances went up very significantly, and uh, and I think you know around the country. I mean, obviously Cork City, and uh, you know, just generally. I mean, there's quite a few clubs. Um, we're seeing a change in the culture of these clubs, and it's not simply about the 90 minutes a week that the first mm. team is on the pitch and uh, and trying to you know pack in as many people uh, as you can, and then trying to keep the show on the road the other six days, you know, and you know shaking down whoever you can for a few yeah. quid, and you know, all all of that is broadening out and. I think that there's a certain amount of excitement around the league, amongst the clubs, amongst the supporters, that that perhaps finally, you know, where we're, we're, everyone's kind of looking down, you know, when they gaze off into the future, there is a there's a bigger, brighter picture here. We'll, we'll see. That, yeah. You know, look, I'm covering this league nearly 30 years, and there's been a, there's been a few false dawns that I've that I've been around, and I and, and had there been podcasts, I'd have been um, I'd have been I'd been cheering about them on them too, you know. But uh, we'll see. It. it it's there's potential here, and uh, whether whether deliver on that is is another thing, I guess. Rory, from a supporter's point of view, the I read a great piece during the week. I think it was in the end. Of Owen Rice wrote it about, you know, the the lot of a of a, uh, a national league supporter that for a long time the attitude of them was kind of spiky towards the outside <clears> world. You know, kind of giving out that you know people were going to watch you know, the big teams in England or would sit watching Sky Sports rather than go to their local game and all that sort of stuff. And he did, he did great. So the thrust of it was, you know, we should just enjoy this league for what it is. Yeah. And I, I sense over the past few years that that's a growing sense. There's a lot more of that. There's a lot more people taking a lot a greater joy in in the league for what it is. Yeah, and I think League of Ireland fans, as much as they talk about I suppose people not supporting local football or whatever wouldn't kind of like it as it is in a way because it is very I think it's very similar to the attraction that a lot of people have with the GAA in that you know you go down you see the same people every week the players you know could live up the street Uh, it feels you feel very much a part of something you don't feel whereas you go to a game in England or whatever and you feel kind of just like a just a customer like an unvalued customer whereas you go to a League of Ireland game like I say you feel really part of of something different and I think the kind of quirks <laughs> to, to put it lightly that the league has kind of help in that because it, it's, it's a way for people to connect you know and I, I mean I think as much as people obviously want the league to grow and get better and we all want that it gets to a stage I, I think nobody would want it to get to a stage where it becomes this kind of and I'm not saying it would, but where it becomes this kind of big entity that you don't necessarily feel connected to anymore. Right. It's yeah. it's the sense of community is a huge thing. Emmett mentioned Bows there, and, and that's what they've done so well over the last couple of years. They've been most impressive in that and really kind of targeted the local area and, and in a lot of ways targeted a kind of particular, I suppose, contingent of the local area with a lot of their stuff, with a lot of their um, kind of more hipster or whatever way you want to put it marketing you know like craft beer in the in the club bar and and stuff like that (laughs) yeah yeah Um, you know they had some new murals put up at Daily Mail during the week I suppose they target it in that way a kind of specific audience but they don't necessarily leave out the core of the sport base that's always been there and they they had the the social media campaign there during the off season which was 
hashtag Terrace is not TV, which was just extremely well, extremely prof- professionally done stuff that was really impressive and was kind of, I suppose, focused uh, at kids going to games and parents bringing kids to games. I know last year they had stuff like face painting at games for kids. And then, you know, after games, they've got music in the bar for, you know, obviously a different audience, you know, so they're trying to kind of cater for everybody. The 90 minutes of football, although obviously it's it's important, isn't the only thing you're going of course, for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there is, a, like I say, a, a connection. That's how you make a, it. Yeah, exactly. That's how you make there. it a culture. And, and it, is, yeah, it is its own culture. Yeah, yeah. And you, like a... I think the main thing, and I, I know for myself and I, I know from, from friends of mine and that, that it is, you know, you you feel, like I say, you go and you have a couple of pints or whatever with the same lads every week and you feel like you're, you feel like you've got a real connection and a real part of the club rather than going, paying for an overpriced ticket, sitting down, watching the game, being mm. told where to sit, being told what you can and can't do. And then, yeah. you know, the kind of sanitized product that you might get, say, in England or whatever, it's a little bit more rough and ready, and it's 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 great. Like on the football side of things, Emmett um, Cork and uh, Dundalk generally expected to to battle it out at the top. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the, yeah, look, the league is moving in the right direction, but you know, uh, money, money, it is, a, it's a, it's a professional game, and uh, and so uh, you know, money talks, and uh, those two clubs have done well over the last couple of years. They've made money out of Europe, Dundalk, obviously, and uh, you know, more so, uh, Cork, uh, very, very well structured, and uh, they've had a few big years, big attendances, and stuff like that. So, budget wise, I've been mean, probably out there a bit. They've both strengthened their squads. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sure Rovers will feel that they have too and a couple of other clubs. Like, you know, they had to launch the other day and everyone's going on about it. They've been so open and been, you know, anyone could spring from the pack this year. But I think deep down, most people feel that it will come down to those two again. And um, uh, I, I I, think after that, like there's, there's, you know, another place or two up for grabs in Europe. And, and I think there is really a remarkably open kind of battle for those. And, the one thing about this is that we, we are getting to the stage where contracts are lengthening now. We say more players being signed in two, two and even the odd three-year deal. Um, so there's not quite as much movement as there was a few years ago. I mean, four or five years ago, six, seven years ago. It's just wholesale change. Clubs are trying to get rid of players who they were paying too much money to. Uh, and uh, it was just absolutely astonishing. Like, the, you know, the, this time of the year, if you listed all the player ins and outs at the end of the season, it like be 24 out, 23 mm, in, you mm. know. Uh, and that's calmed down a little bit. So it's 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 a, it's a bit easier to call what, what clubs are going to do now because at least it's the core of last year's squad there. But there's still a lot of upheaval and, and it's going to be interesting. Like, I'm going to see... Um, Pats and, and Cork tonight and um, and there'll be I, I don't know like half a dozen eight players ten players maybe you know making debuts for those clubs uh, I, I'm not sure now I'm going to no, I know, talk yeah. about it but, uh, but you know that wouldn't be enormously unusual uh, in these situations so it takes a few weeks for things to settle down and, and, and to, to kind of become clear who's done really done what who mm. you know a lot of the young lads particularly coming back from England you know they come back and they're you know, people people re- remember them having been very exciting underage internationals, and they've gone to England and maybe you know, um, you know, done 
well or not so well in England and, and, and it certainly takes a while to see whether they really feature in first team mm. plans, whether they can make an impact <clears throat> or whether they're one for the future or whether they're going to, you know, uh, whether they're really going to kind of kick mm. on back here in the league. So uh, the first few weeks are always fascinating. Mm. But but yeah, I think, look, Dundalk have, have big backers and the big the, those backers talking last week at a public meeting up in Dundalk about winning the league every single year. Um, I see, yeah, I saw Stephen Kenny took that well. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I, 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 quite a thing for a manager to have to see it on a stage and listen to I'd say yeah um, uh, no pressure there Stephen um, and you know Cork have done so well over the last couple of years um, obviously most most obviously last year but they've been building you know chasing Dundalk and then overhauling them and they've added to the squad as well so look uh, you know Rovers are the next in line you would have thought I mean Dundalk or Derry finished fourth last year there's a lot of change up there they have you know endless in- injury problems they have a very thin squad some promising young lads but they end up, you know, basically Derry last year and the last couple of years probably, they end up having to play too many of the young lads to really sustain it over a season. Rovers be the next one in line. So, but again, I think they've made some 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 signings that we'll have to wait and see. I mean, like Joey O'Brien and faces fantastic signing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but he hasn't played in a year and a half. And uh, and when he was playing, he was he, he had a lot of problems with injury. So uh, a bit like Paul Curry last year, if Joey O'Brien works out, he will be an amazing addition to the, to the league. But unfortunately, Paul Curry didn't. Uh, he, he missed nearly the whole season with injuries and ended up having to retire and um, and so you know uh, Rovers need things yeah. to go really well for them all of, all of those deals to, to really gel for them to to, to to make up the sort of ground they were, they were the, the gap that was there last year and Rory it's, it's an interesting there's an interesting little twist well twist there's a change to this season because there's 10 team league mm-hmm. rather than a 12 team league each team sort of play each other four times you know there'll be a bit of familiarity breeding mm-hmm. contempt along the way as well I would imagine yeah I think Similar to what Emmett was saying, I, I think Rovers would be the closest to Dundalk and Cork, but I don't think they quite have enough to kind of break break into the top two. I think just from going by signings and stuff and and who they've kept on, I think Cork are in a slightly better, better position um, than Dundalk. And I kind of would fancy Cork to go on and retain their title. But I suppose the only thing, and I mean, there's so many variables, but, you know, if they... Have a, have a decent European run it could derail them a little bit and I suppose the same is for Dundalk but I think Rovers just seem to they, they're they just they're missing something I was trying to think about this last night and they just seem to be missing something that Dundalk and Cork have it's it's hard to even put your finger on what it is but they've just seems to there's been a bit of instability for the last couple of years and they don't seem to kind of have that nucleus that Dundalk and Cork have um, to kind of go and, and win a league and I was thinking about this and it, it's it's really surprising like I mean you know it's 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 seven years now since their European run uh, when everybody expected them to go ahead and dominate for the next mm. 10, 20 years with that the amount sweet, of money sweet sweet Euro money yeah yeah and particularly with having all of that money at a time when most clubs didn't whereas now it's shared out a little bit more European pots are getting bigger so there is more of a chance for clubs to to have decent financial backing but I mean, they haven't won the league now since 2011. So they haven't won a cup in that time either. It, it must be getting a bit frustrating. And, and for fans in particular, I, I saw Ronan Finn. I, I, they've invested. The thing that always comes out, and, and I saw Emma mention this in the paper today, is that um, you know they've invested a lot in youth. And, and apparently you know their academy is, is, by all accounts, extremely good. And that investment is working. But I saw Ronan Finn uh, say yesterday, you know... Um, 
when it comes to Friday night, try and tell a fan that the under nines won six nil. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. It, it, it does come down to what happens on a Friday night at the end of the day, and they've really, I suppose, in a way, failed on that front in the last few years, and and I can't quite see them changing that around this year. I I think Dundalk again, it'll be Dundalk and Cork, and I I would feel Cork would just about have the upper hand. Particularly from signings and and like I say, the players they've kept on that uh, I think I think they just picked them. What do you think? Yeah, I've gone for Dundalk, uh, but with no great conviction. Mm. Um, uh, as I say, I think it takes you know. I mean, Dundalk. I wasn't at the Presidents Cup uh, there the other the, the other day, but even in that, like Stephen Kenny came away saying some of the players weren't well, and it was the proverbial game of two halves. Dundalk looked better side in the first half. Um, I think it'll take a few weeks before we get a sense of 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 the players that have come into the two clubs and, and what they're going to do. Um, I mean, Grant Cummins has gone back to Cork, and and if he if he hits the ground running and and, and scores a lot of goals, then you know that then then that's a big big step for them but it's it's a big question mark I mean he, he, you know he, it's a few years since he left he didn't score a lot of goals in England we've he a couple of, last week co- yeah 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 no he, he, he did well uh, we've a couple of guys co- gone into um, Dundalk that we've just never seen at all like a Lithuanian international who um, you know has been playing in Poland and, and back at home and um you know, who knows what sort of impact he's going to have. So it's interesting. I mean, I, I do find this an interesting time of the year. I, you mentioned the um, you mentioned the ten team league, and I think that that you know the, the one great advantage of that is that it, it evens things up in terms of home games. It, it, it is you know I I, I think there's pluses and minuses to this, but it's a fairly crazy situation when you have either Dundalk or or Cork City have an advantage because they have an extra game, home game against their big rival. So look, it's it'd be interesting Dundalk, but not with any great conviction listen uh, thanks a million for coming in uh, Rory and Emmett and thanks very much to Sean and Ian uh, who were in talking about the GA earlier uh, thanks to Declan on the desk uh, Pat Nugent here keeping uh, me uh, regular and keeping me interested in the whole thing as we go along if you want to get in touch our email is com. you can follow me on Twitter at Maliki Clerken or a Pat at Pat Nugent 7 Uh, If you like the show, rate and review us on iTunes. And if you don't like the show, then keep it to yourself. And if you're looking Um, for something to watch on TV this weekend, (laughs) Bowls and Rollers is on the box tonight. (laughs) Says Emmett, and I forgot to say that. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks very much.